ladies of Wizards and Wine describe it as a modern day book club. They also describe it as women who valiantly try avoiding TPKs while drinking wine and kicking ass. Sometimes. Welcome to Wizards and Wine, a D&D podcast. Hooray! Um, we've made it and nobody got hurt along the way. So that's all amazing news. Uh, a couple of things about um, our stream. We're both live on Facebook and Twitch. Um, on Twitch, we are broadcasting on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, which is where there's going to be a whole bunch of new RPG uh, shows that we'll be broadcasting. The next one, I'm pretty sure, comes your way Sunday morning. Um, Mitch will be your DM at that point. And then um, we are working on getting games started for every single day of the week, which is very exciting. That We have uh, a group of girls here who have been gaming together and podcasting together for my gosh girls what has it been like two years at this point two years now yeah, yeah, about yeah that. i think so something like that um we started out just playing some one shots together we attempted a homebrew for season two i got it turned into a hot mess uh we may we're gonna have to go back and revisit it though <laughs> that's not gonna happen this time around we're kicking off season three today for wizards and wine and we are gonna be playing through the tomb of annihilation Sounds very spooky. Have I'm any done. of you have any of you guys played Tomb of Annihilation before? I don't think you have. Not at all. Hmm. I don't think I have either. No, I read a bunch about it though. Yeah, it was a very democratic process deciding what uh, adventure we were going to play. We had a vote. Uh, we had a couple of filibusters, and the dinosaurs in the end were what won. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, right. So, uh, welcome to uh, Wizards and Wine and our take on Tomb of Annihilation. A couple of other um, housekeeping things that I do want to mention: um, Wizards and Wine. We are a podcast, and. The streaming is new for us, and so is the virtual tabletop stuff. So if we do run into some technical problems, uh, please bear with us. Um, this is the very first time that we've gone live, and uh, we just want to uh, make sure that we get all of the little issues and, and weird things that are going to pop up uh, taken care of as quickly as possible. So it may delay the gameplay a little bit um, as we go through it um, off and on. So just be aware of that. Another thing is that we are a fully produced podcast. Um, when we're not streaming live. So you can find us on all the usual streaming platforms and things like that. There's a few other shows that are going to be falling under the Pop Culture Cosmos umbrella that um, you will be able to check out um, that are um, podcasts as well, including Vampires and Vitae, which is a Vampire the Masquerade podcast. Um, there is Demolition Force, which is on Mondays. Um, we also have uh, Fall of Haven, which is on Tuesdays. There's a Mass Effect RPG that we're working on. Uh, Curse of Strahd is going to be on Sunday mornings. Uh, there's a whole lot of stuff coming your way uh, through the Pop Culture Cosmos Twitch channel. So make sure you give us a follow or subscribe or whatever you need to do just so you don't miss out on uh, any of this stuff. Um, needless to say, maybe at this point, is that it is an all-female cast for Wizards and Wine. Um, and really, it wasn't done on purpose. It just kind of happened that way. So we're happy to be the first people to uh, do a live RPG on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. So uh, yay for us doing that. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. Yay. Cheers. <laughs> Without further ado, ladies, are you ready to get into this monster of a uh, game? Let's do it. Always. This. 
Always? Yep. Okay. All right. First, I want to introduce each of you as players, and then as we get into the game, we will meet your characters. So uh, let's start with Christine, a.k.a. my lore <laughs> keeper, a.k.a. the person who will be doing recaps at the beginning of yes, I will be. each of our episodes, because Christine takes fantastic <laughs> notes. <laughs> Christine, who are you and what do you do? Yes, I'm Christine. I don't have anything prepared. <laughs> I'm me, I guess. Uh, how long have you been playing D&D? Oh, D&D-wise? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess since the beginning of this podcast. Mm -hmm. Three years now? <laughs> no. Season three? I'm like no, the, it'll be two years completed. I'm like the only DM that you've really worked with besides the one shot that we did with... Uh, only one. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And Girl. before this, it was I've only was really introduced into it with Critical Role. So. Sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was my only real experience with D D beforehand until uh Liz, shout out to Liz. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> she introduced us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was looking for an extra player. I was like, yes, I'm in. Amazing. Okay. Uh Janet, who are you and what do you do? Hello, I'm Janet and my character. You wanna know about my character? Not yet. Yes. I just want to know about you. Introducing you to the audience. Oh, Oh yes, that's me. Uh, so I've been playing D&D for about four years. Uh, I was first into, introduced to it by a couple friends. We actually started off playing a Star Wars RPG and then moved into D&D. Um, I've loved it ever since. I've been to, involved in a few different groups and games uh, from uh, all the way from Kelowna out here to Halifax. And uh, yeah, I love it. Cynthia, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> I'm Cynthia. I've been, I played for a long time, but then I stopped for like 10 years and started playing again. I used to play other other uh, systems, mm -hmm. Palladium, uh, HU2, Rifts, Marvel. I did a whole bunch of different things, but D&D &D has always been my first love. That's about it. And Aaron, who are you and what do you do besides um, solve all of Aaron. my problems? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not with Foundry. It's so vast. I have such a hard time. Uh, I am Aaron. I've been playing D&D &D for just under half of my whole life. So <laughs> I found that out the other day. I was like, oh, oh you like that. that. But I've been playing for like 10 years, maybe. No, I'm not 20. I mean, like 14, 13 or 14 years. I played in fourth edition and then I played D&D next. I've been playing fifth edition. Um, yeah, I just played a lot. Played a lot of D&D. Played every week for 10 years at least. And then it, since then, it slowed down quite a bit. But now I play this. Okay, cool. And um, I'm Melinda. I will be your DM for better or for worse. And uh, I played a little bit when I was in high school, um, but I came back to D&D &D, um, just before actually uh, the podcast started. We played for about a year, was it? Um, before uh, that campaign ended abruptly and we needed a DM. So I was like, yeah, I'll just do that. And it turned into a podcast. So um, I probably have, let's call it three years of D&D &D under my belt. Um, you know what? I have a hard time with things like the rules. So sometimes they matter and sometimes they don't. Uh, the one that always gets me and the girls make sure it comes up all the time is the grapple rule. Uh, for some reason, it's one that never sticks into my brain. So we'll see how many times the girls can force that one to come up. 
But let's get in. <laughs> let's get into Tomb of Annihilation. So, you guys, for the past several days, you guys don't know each other at this point. Um, but as you've been uh, kind of going about your lives, you have heard a lot of talk on streets about this so-called death curse. It's a wasting disease afflicting anyone who's ever been raised from the dead. Victims seem to grow thinner and weaker every day, slowly but steadily sliding towards death they once denied. When they finally succumb, they can't be raised, and neither can anyone else, regardless of whether they've ever received that miracle in the past. Temples and scholars of divine magic are at an absolute loss to explain the curse that has afflicted the entire region and possibly the entire world. And we are going to start with Cynthia's character. Cynthia, your character, yes. Bobo J. Angles. Please tell me a little yes. bit about your character and uh, what your character looks like, your class, and all that good stuff. Okay, so Bobo, she goes by Bo. She is a shifter, swift stride, monk. She has modeled after a cat I had named Bobo. So she's all white, has one blue eye, one gold eye. She was my baby girl, so I miss her. So I had to model my cat after her. Once I saw that there was a shifter race that could take on animal characteristics, I had to do it. So she's my first time playing a monk, so this is going to be different. I usually go for the barbarians. I know you do. You do love your barbarians. <laughs> um... Okay, what is something that your character, like, truly treasures? Is there a trinket? Is there a book? Is there, um, I don't know, um, a particular flower that she is particularly fond of? Anything like that? Not really. She likes to um, collect stones and stuff that are odd colors and stuff like that. She has ones that are the, the color of her eyes. Just to be different. She likes... She's a little bit odd. <laughs> <laughs> not a character you've created. Odd, please. That doesn't happen. Not very intelligent, but she can come up with some pretty good zingers. <laughs> okay. Um, I did notice on your character sheet that you did have that uh, your uh, monk was a bit of a scholar. So book smart, but not necessarily yes. street smart, right? Yes, she studied for a long time, so she was in the, the oh, good Lord, what's it called? The, the monastery, she studied at the monastery, and but she was always, you know, nose in the books, doing that, and she fancies herself a bit of a monster slayer after reading a lot of tales and stuff about them, so she kind of fancies herself as a monster slayer. We'll see how that turns out. Okay. She feels that it's now time for her to actually adventure out into the world and see what she can do. Okay. Now, Bobo, uh, you spend a lot of time around books, actually. You kind of prefer that. But today, your teachers are requiring you to get out, get a little bit of sunshine, and maybe even a little bit of physical activity to... Uh, maybe work on your physical and mental toughness a bit. 
Uh, you've been told that you will be laying on the ground. This is a, uh, a test of patience. So you lay on the ground, and once you do, you're covered in dry leaves. Your test today is to remain both still and quiet of external communications until the leaves have completely blown off of your person. Today, unfortunately, there isn't much of a wind. It's a very gentle breeze that barely rustles the leaves in trees. But as you lay on the ground, the smell of, you know, the, the ground and grass and, and things like that are kind of clinging to the inside of your nose. Uh, you soon fall into an almost meditative state. Your thoughts wander and you start to hear a very pleasant and friendly voice. The voice is calm, it's quiet, a little on the frail side. It tells you to look for a letter. And it says, I hope to meet you soon. Your friend, hopefully, Sindra Sylvain. Sindra Sylvain? Sindra Sylvain, S-Y-N-D-R-A-S-I-L-V-A-N-E. Sindra Sylvain. And we're going to come back to you in just a Look few minutes. Okay. Okay. Janet, we're coming over to you. <laughs> You're so excited. Oh, hey there. I can tell. Oh, hey there. Um, oh, okay. hey there. Tell me a little bit about your character. And um, yeah, just tell me a bit about your character. Sure. Uh, so I'm a pretty small, light foot halfling. Um, I think halflings are usually small. I'm, I'm about three feet. Uh, my name's Wellfice Sun Meadow. Uh, you could call me Welly if you really want to. Um, my eyes are lavender color. I'm a female, light blonde hair, pale skin. Um, I'm an urban bounty hunter, so I actually love catching thieves and criminals. Nice. Uh, that's kind of my thing, and it works because I'm I'm tiny. I can kind of get into different different areas. Um, I had a really like a life full of conflict and excitement before I kind of went off on this adventure. Um, I mean, it's hard, right, when you track people down mm-hmm. uh, and they don't want to be tracked down. It's tough, guys. It's really tough. <laughs> um, and I am chaotic neutral. Can't think of anything else. Okay, you're a druid, right? That's right. I'm a druid. Okay, yeah. Okay, so you didn't change that on me. Okay, perfect. So some time ago, Welly, you found a seed, and you've been unable to identify it. And anybody that you talk to doesn't seem to be too familiar with this particular type of seed that you found. So against some advice from other druids, you've decided to plant it, and there has been nothing for months. Just a couple of days ago, some sprouts broke through the surface of the soil in this pot that you have it planted in. And it's been growing bigger and bigger every time you look at it. You swear it's grown like another inch or, uh, you know, it's gotten another leaf or something like that. Um, There's now a flower bud on top of the plant. And you grab the water canister that you have to water it. And as you put the water in, you can see the flower bud begin to open. As you watch the flower petals one by one in the most amazing and vibrant colors you've ever seen unfurl into this beautiful flower, the last petal to open 
is different from the others. It's white, like paper. As soon as it opens, it falls to the surface of the, I guess, assume you have it sitting on a table or a windowsill. It falls to the surface of whatever you have it sitting on. And it's a note addressed to you. Would you like to open it? Uh, of course I would. Okay. It reads, Welly, I would love the opportunity to support your adventurous dreams. Allow me to present my offer as benefactor for you. This could be beneficial for both of us. Yours, with hope, Sindra Sylvain. And it says P.S. and there's a date, a time, and an address on the bottom of the envelope. Okay. And we are going to move over to Christine. Christine, tell me a bit about your character. My character is Niriam. She is a war-forged paladin. Uh, she has been uh, recently built in the past seven years, and she is the product of uh, kind of like a love child. Um, her mother was a uh, retired artificer, and she built her in homage to uh, a lost love. So her mother's recently passed away and asked her with delivering something to this lost love, and... Uh, She's out in the world, traveling, exploring, and learning whatever she can. Can you give me something that your character uh, treasures or, you know, holds dear, sees a lot of value in? Uh, she has the the object pretty well. The, the object her mother gave her to deliver is a sort of a cylinder shape, and she has been asked, uh, she treasures it greatly and keeps it with her all the time, and it's sort of become a memento, a reminder of her mother as she's looking for the person to be delivered to. Okay, perfect. So uh, as a Warforged, you don't really sleep exactly, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, but your attention does wander a little bit in this particular evening. And as it wanders, um, you know, you're, you're thinking back to your mom and, and uh, the day that she gave you this cylinder object. And as you uh, come back into uh, the room and kind of shake yourself out of uh, this daydream that you were having, uh, you notice the cylinder, which you had left sitting on a table, now has a note addressed to you sitting underneath it. I look around the room first. <laughs> of course. Or Get wherever I am. Yeah. Suspicious, but kind of shrug it off if I don't see anything dangerous. And yeah, I open it. Okay. Uh, it's very much uh, the same as Welly's note. It introduces the person who wrote the note introduces themselves as Sindra Sylvain, offers you an opportunity to meet, and uh, she would like to discuss with you an opportunity to support your adventures as well as a benefactor. It is again signed with hope, yours, Sindra Sylvain. The PS has a date, a time, and an address. And we will come back to you once we get to Aaron. All My right. Turn? It's your turn. Tell me about your character. Uh, I'm playing Aseza. Aseza Halciet. She's a, she's also a swift stride shifter. <laughs> <laughs> so we have two of those. So that's good. Um, she is a twilight cleric uh, who uses a bow, which is kind of funny. Now that I think about the fact that we're in the jungle. Oh, we're just going to go with it. Um, she's kind of snappy, but slow. 
kind of quiet, doesn't talk too much. She doesn't, she has a decent charisma stat, but she's kind of an arsehole. <laughs> um, she really likes trinkets, many, many trinkets. So she likes to do, like, she can provide for herself, but she will go out and do odd jobs for people just to make money so she can buy stuff from merchants that she just thinks is cute that she puts in her house, um, which is extensively a hovel near a river. Sure. Um, she's kind of a greasy, smelly girl. She's not really, like, worried about how people perceive her. So she can come off as being a little rough around the edges. Sure. Um She's secretly caring to the people around her, but she won't like. She won't let you know it. <laughs> She's probably just going to be rude to you. <laughs> um, likes being alone, but likes making money, so she goes around people to do that. She's a sucker for good stories. Fantastic. Okay. So, um, and you're a cleric, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So as- she doesn't really worship a god. She just sort of worships nature. She like living in nature and the protection of nature and using it like its resources and stuff. So whatever that worship funnels into, I guess that God. (laughs) Okay. So um, as a Twilight cleric, you've always found some comfort in the waning light of day and the incoming darkness of night. That's kind of like your, that twilight area obviously is going to be uh, like your favorite time. It's where you feel safest. It's her special flavor of nature. That's her favorite flavor of nature. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's where you feel safest and the most calm and all of those things. Uh, You find uh, a lot of comfort in dark skies of night with stars that offer you points of light to help you guide your way. So, As your room begins to get brighter in the morning, it bothers you. (laughs) You you always pull your covers up over your head to try to steal a few more minutes in uh, that comforting, calming uh, darkness that you like so much. Um, Mm. When you finally come to terms with the fact that it's daylight and you need to get up, you wake up to find a note on your table addressed to you. Would you like to read it? I would love to read it. All right. It says Aceza. Did I say it right? Aceza, yeah. Aceza. Okay. Aceza. I would love the opportunity to talk to you about your ambitions and your plans for the future. I would love to be involved as a benefactor for you. Signed, with hope, Sindra Sylvain. The PS has the date, the time, and an address on it. I've been headhunted. You have been. You all have been. Um, so we are going to take everybody, assuming, actually, this is a big assumption on my part, but assuming that everybody is actually game to play and everybody would like to go on the day and time <laughs> to the particular address that you've all received on these very mysterious letters. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Whew. All right. I have to find my letter first. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. We got to go back to the monk. All right. So, uh, Cynthia, as you were laying there quietly and you heard the voice, uh, pop into your head, um, it was shortly after that, that there was a great gust of wind and all at once, all of the leaves were blown off of your person and you were able to get up again and, uh, speak briefly with your teachers and continue on about your day. I assume, and this is a huge assumption, please tell me if you would like to do something different, that the first place you would head back to is the library. No, I'm going straight to the library because there's all sorts of letters there. 
Okay. Perfect. Um, there was a book that you had been studying and working with a little bit. And you go back to that book. And as you begin to flip pages, you do find the note stuck into uh, that book. Would you like to open it? Yes. Okay. It says, Dear Bobo. <laughs> 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 Dear Bobo, I would like the opportunity to meet. So I know. I would like the opportunity to meet and discuss with you your plans for the future and how I can fit into them as benefactor. Signed, yours with hope, Silva Sylvain. What did, no, wait, that's not her name. Sindra Sylvain. Um, and at the bottom, there is a PS, and it is. Um, there is a date, a time, and an address written on it. Okay. Are we close to that date? Uh, we are going to jump ahead in time. I, it doesn't matter if we were close <laughs> to that date or not. The date is has arrived, and we are coming up to the time. Luckily, um, you all uh, were relatively close to this particular address. Um, it was an address in Baldur's Gate, actually. And uh, the address leads you to a very fancy, I don't want to call it a mansion, but it's a pretty big house. Uh, whoever lives here, obviously um, requesting to become your benefactors, has a little bit of cash to burn. And you all arrive, because you are all very punctual, at uh, the same time on the doorstep of this house. And as you take your step onto, uh, first step onto the, the uh, doorway of this house, uh, it opens and a wonderfully tall and uh, very distinguished gentleman opens the door. He's wearing a uh, butler uniform and he is wearing very white, very clean gloves. And he simply opens the door, not surprised to find you all standing there, simply nods his head, doesn't say a word but beckons you to come into the house. I, mean, I go in. Go in the house, yeah. Okay. Uh, you are led up a grand staircase to the third floor, and he then directs you into a wood-paneled room with a fireplace. Hang on. I don't know if you guys can hear it or not, but I have a fireplace on. In fact, and I'm going to play it right now. <laughs> okay. Right now, you play it right now? Right now, I'm playing a fireplace. I expect fireplace sound. <laughs> okay. So as you uh, go into the room, you notice comfortable chairs. There's a heavy table with uh, goblets and a bottle of wine sitting on them. Uh, the darkly paneled walls are hung with maps and sea charts. There are racks and racks and shelves and shelves and cabinets upon cabinets that hold hundreds of rolled up what you assume are different maps and charts. And you see a lot of uh, journals on the bookshelves that all have uh, different names written on them. And there is a person seated in an overstuffed chair near the fire. You can't really tell a whole lot about the person, like their gender or anything like that, because only the person's head is sitting above a very heavy blanket, which is draped over the chair. There's an embroidered hood up over this person's head and a silver mask conceals the wearer's face. Even the person's dry, raspy voice provides no clue. But it says, help yourselves. 
to the wine and seat yourselves, friends. I hope I can continue to call you that after we've met today. Damn, that's ominous. <laughs> she says, walking over to get a cup of a glass of wine. <laughs> Damn, that's dark. <laughs> Everybody dark else girl. joining in on a uh, glass Bobo. of wine? Bobo is staring at the books. Sure. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, Nerium strides over and takes a glass carefully and is admiring the room mostly, but it'll sip at the wine to be polite. After you guys have all poured your glass of wine and you sit down at the chairs that are right there by the fire, uh, she says, I know that you have heard... Stop it, you guys. You know I don't do voices. I know that you have heard the rumors about a death curse. And I can tell you that it's not simply a rumor. There is truth to it. I myself am now afflicted. You see, I was once an adventurer much like yourselves, and I was resurrected. But with this death curse, I can feel my life force being drained away as I begin to fall victim to the death that I once denied. This is where I need your help. We believe that the source of this is caused by a necromantic artifact. Oh, yikes. Indeed, child, indeed. It's called the Soulmonger. And we believe it is somewhere in Cholt. Have you heard of this place? Miriam scratches her chin. And uh, not necessarily. I read some things about it. Just vague mm. tales. Bobo probably read about it in her studies. Maybe I heard about it once from a merchant. Okay. And Syndra nods her head and she says, well, let me give you a little bit as well. Cholt is a peninsula ringed by mountains and choked with rainforests. There are enormous reptiles like you have never seen before. Savage goblins and an army of undead prowl its jungles and ruins. Mapping the place has always been next to impossible. And nothing is really known about the region's current geography beyond a few miles of the coast. And she gestures for the gentleman who met you at the front door to bring her a map. She unfurls the map and shows you. What a beautiful map. Isn't it cool? Syndra continues as you guys all uh, have a look at this map. She says... Working from dozens of sea charts and log books and explorers' journals, I have assembled everything known about the current state of Chult onto one map. This is it. I will allow you to take it with you if you agree to undertake my mission. Well, uh, maybe? <laughs> what do you, what's in it for us? Solid maybe. A number of things. And again, she beckons her, the gentleman who met you all at the door to come over. And she says, out of my collection, I have chosen a few things that I think would benefit each of you very well. On top of these items, 
I'm willing to offer you 1,500 gold pieces each for the retrieval of the Soulmonger yeah. mask. And what she, she, what she, and so as she, she, uh, has the butler, um, pull out one of the items one by one. And she says, for you, Nero, I have the flame tongue. It's a great sword that is worthy of a wielder such as yourself. For you, Bobo, I have earmarked the staff of striking. Should you be successful in this mission? Oh, God. And I didn't write down what that one is called. I only wrote down what it does. Um, for you, Welly, I have a necklace of wonder. I don't know what this was called, but that's what it's called now. Okay. It's an awesome okay. name. Yeah. Necklace of wonder. I like it. What it's normally called. Something yeah. yeah. Okay. So necklace of wonder. Like? Uh, as she shows it to you, you see six beads are on it. And uh, there are two that are blue. One that is green. One that is purple. Oh, sorry. Two that are green. One that is purple and one that is a really pretty um, yellow color. Would you like to do Did an Did she hand it to me? No, these are for after you guys are finished your quest. These are these no, are not. This no, is not. not yeah, no, no. This, this is not up front. These, I just want to know if I can look at it beforehand. That's oh yeah, of course. Um, actually, I would like you, Janet, to make the first roll of the new campaign and give me an Arcana check. I'm so excited. Okay, so let me get to character sheet here and remember how to do this. Eighteen. Bomb. Okay. Uh, you know exactly what these beads are on this necklace. There are. Do I like them? Oh, yo, yes. You're very much into it. You have two beads of greater restoration, one bead for cure wounds, one for summon planner ally, one for bless. Oh, whoops. Sorry. Should have been two for cure wounds. Should I be writing these down? Uh, not yet. Well, you can if you want to, but it's not entirely necessary. No, I'm not that currently. bad. Okay. <laughs> so two for greater restoration, two for cure wounds. There's one summon, summon planner ally and one for bless. On your necklace of wonder. And for nice. Aseza, did I say it right? Yeah, you said it 100% right. Okay, cool. Um, you um, could be the lucky owner of the Holy Avenger. So she says to me, she's been so serious this whole time, and then she gets to me, and she's like, you're the lucky winner. You're the lucky well, winner. Yeah, right? I'm like, yes. <laughs> As a matter of fact. So yes. Uh, what is it? Sorry? The Holy Avenger. They are um, in D&D Beyond, uh, if you guys want to look them up and have a look at what they can do. Uh, I tried to pick stuff that was both character specific and something that uh, may come in handy at some point. You're not okay. going to get them currently, cool. but what you are going to get to start is you are each going to get 500 gold Damn. in advance of oh. your mission. Ooh. And you'll get, you'll get the final thousand gold. Um, once you return with Can I just add money hey, wait to let's my not sound too excited guys we shouldn't sound too excited maybe we'll get more no that's terrible that's not enough <laughs> <laughs> no I'm very easily pleased this is great no I, Ooh, shiny. I see lots of money around uh -huh. this is not enough okay well uh, I know I'm three feet tall but I'm intimidating 
You, you know what? Uh, roll me, roll me intimidation. Let's see if you can uh, intimidate this uh, very powerful character. Oh, <laughs> three. Well, so yeah, yeah. Uh, no, uh, she says, you know, I, I, under- I understand your misgivings, but five hundred gold each is what I have on hand. Uh, it's the best that I can do right now. I stomp like a toddler because I'm not tall. It's 500 each? Uh, yes. Okay. That's so juicy. Mm-hmm. Now, she does say that she is going to give you some time to maybe collect a few things uh, because you are going to be traveling to Chult. And she says, don't worry. We don't have to do this the hard way. We're going to do it the easy way. I have a teleportation spell ready to go, and I can we can teleport directly into Chult um, ex- as soon as you all are ready. So you can either be ready right now, you can go and get your stuff and be ready in a day. It's entirely up to you guys. Damn, 500 bucks? Mm-hmm. I got to see what questions. I can buy. The market, I will tell you, the market in Port... Oh, I already forget. Port... Uh, Nianzaru. Yes, Port Nianzaru uh, will have everything that you need, including some things specific that you may need at a particular point. Oh. So. About this disease or curse that you're under, did yes. it start as from your resurrection or did it... No, occur afterwards. I was I was actually resurrected quite some time ago, and from what I understand, if you have already been resurrected, uh, it's draining your life force. But if you uh, die now, there is no coming back. Nobody can bring you back. And this has been happening for a couple of months now. So it affects many people. Yes. Hmm. And is anyone who's been resurrected previously not necessarily a disease that's spreading, correct? Correct. I'm good to go. Okay. I mean, I brought all my stuff. I didn't know I was leaving. But I don't have any pets, so. <laughs> I don't have any pets. Incredible. <laughs> I don't have anyone to worry about. I'm yeah, ready right? to go. Uh, I'm ready always. I always have stuff on me. Okay, perfect. So you guys are all ready to teleport? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, yes. uh, Syndra uh, sends uh, her uh, man away to uh, collect a few things that she needs to make traveling for her comfortable. Um, as he gets her up and gets her um, ready to uh, conjure the the spell for teleportation, um, she does seem frail, but there is still a, a strength to her, so it hasn't completely, you know, sapped all of her energy yet. Um, but she does say that every night at midnight, uh, she does feel a little bit weaker. And she gets up and she uh, walks over to where she has a teleportation circle drawn on the ground. You guys come with her and you stand just inside of the circle. She uh, does the incantation and poof, you are ported to Port Nianzaru. So things that you know uh, about Chult as you continue to have conversation with Syndra. Uh, Chult is hot and humid and rainy. Sounds amazing. 
Uh, the temperature is usually as high as 95 degrees, which is about 35 in Canadian degrees. Um, <laughs> during the day, uh, it seldom falls below 20 degrees at night. So even at night, there's not much of a break from the heat. Uh, a day without rain is rare, but the rain varies from a steady mist to a drenching downpour. Uh, visibility in heavy rain is limited, so when it is in a heavy rain, you guys will have a disadvantage on perception and stuff like that, okay? Members of every race that you can find in Faerun will be found in Port Nianzaru. Uh, a few of them travel uh, more than 100. Some of them... A few of them ever travel. Oh, okay, right. So once they're in Port Nianzaru, they very seldomly leave the uh, safety of the city walls. Okay. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So Port Nianzaru, it hugs the coastline at the south end of the Bay of Cholts. No other city exists in Schultz along the coast or anywhere else except the ruins or overrun monstrous creatures are overrun with monstrous creatures. Until recently, Portney and Zaru was under the firm control of Amen, a foreign nation. Nine years ago, it was forced to relinquish the city to the wealthy and powerful consortium of Chulton traders backed by the Yavtika Society. Um, or risk a bloody conflict that probably would have ended with the city winning its independence anyway. So seven Cholton traders have since grown into influential merchant princes, enticing folk up from up and down the Sword Coast with their exotic wares. It is a bastion of civilization along the coast. Just about everything that you could want to find, you will find in Port Nianzaru. Um, it is colorful. It has uh, houses that would make merchants of Baldur's Gate and Waterdeep jealous. It's colorful. It's musical. It's an aroma-filled, vibrant city in its own right. Uh, other than trade, the biggest attractions are the weekly dinosaur races through the streets. What? I'm never going home. I'm never going home. She's already amazing. Right? Reserved herself to live here for the rest of her life if yes. she doesn't die here. Locals, yeah, locals and visitors alike um, will wager uh, pretty handsome sums of money on the race's um, outcomes. The city also boasts grand bazaars and glorious mansions and temples and uh, gladi gladiatorial contests and uh, all kinds of things of that man manner. So there's a whole lot of stuff that you can check out in Port Nianzaru. Uh, so you appear in uh, this city under a blazing noonday sun. The familiar sounds of a harbor, creepy, creeping ropes, slapping waves, heavy barrels rolling across cobblestone, mingle with voices shouting and, frankly, cursing in unfamiliar languages, uh, are filled with inhalations and sing-songy words that make it sound almost musical. You know that inhale that we do on the word yup up there in Halifax? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that <laughs> yep. kind of stuff. Beyond all of that, um, you see spices and tropical fruits, and the, their smells are mixed with wharfside smells of fish and tar and canvas and unwashed fishermen. <laughs> it's a dream come true. It's, 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 this is the selling point right here, if you ask me. Um, but beyond all of that... Downtown Dartmouth's pretty close. Well, you know, that's true. Uh, beyond all of that, Port Nianzaru is an explosion of color. Buildings are painted in bright shades of blue, green, orange, and pink. 
On their walls, they are adorned with murals portraying giant reptiles and mythical heroes. Every building sports baskets and clay urns of colorful flowers. It's draped in leafy flowering vines, minstrels in bright colors adorned with feathers and shells and they perform on uh, street corners. Multicolored pennants and sun awnings flutter on top city walls uh, to offer shade to the crowds below. There's a crowd of children squealing in delight and terror as a street performer costumed as a big-toothed lizard stomps and roars behind them. The whole city seems to be bustling and sweating and laughing and swearing and singing. <laughs> it does sound pretty magical. And I don't know if you guys are going to be able to hear this, which makes me really sad, but... Here's the sound of the area that you're in. Oh, I can hear it a little bit. A little bit? Mm -hmm. Shattering. Yeah, I can hear it a little bit. Okay. Cool. Okay. Where's that playing? So Syndra looks at you and says, you may want to secure rooms for yourselves at either the Thundering oh. Lizard or Kaya's House of Repose. This is really loud and distracting. Sorry, I've got to turn it down a little bit more. Sorry, what's that? Repeat those names? Yes, absolutely. The um, they are the Thundering Lizard. That's for if you're looking for like a, a uh, super fun uh, raucous, raucous, raucous time. Uh, Kea's House of Repose if you want to get a good night's rest. Both inns are located near the Red Bazaar. I, however, am going to be staying with one of the merchant princes. His name is Wakanga of Otamu, and I'm going to stay there for the remainder of the time here. If you would like, you can accompany me to meet the merchant prince, or you can continue on your way and begin to explore the city. It really is entirely up to you. I am simply getting a little tired and I do need a little bit of rest. Same. <laughs> uh, can we get the prince's name? So if we need to, when yes. we meet up again? It's Wakama. Wakanga. Oh yeah. Otamu. Wakanga. Yeah. Tommy. Do we meet up with you afterwards or? Uh, you are more than welcome to come up to the house anytime to visit and that's where we're going to take a pause for the tomb of annihilation with wizards and wine find out what happens next week when our intrepid adventurers meet one of the merchant princes of courtney and zaru will it go smoothly <laughs> you'll have to tune in to find out uh, don't forget as well you can now catch our live streams on twitch and facebook we're working on youtube couple of kinks to work out there but we're getting closer uh if you are on twitch make sure you look for and follow and subscribe to pop culture cosmos that's where you're going to find a whole bunch of different DD games a whole bunch of different dms and uh even some of the world of darkness games are going to be brought to life as well on that channel and not to mention a ton of your favorite pop culture news all in one place. It's really fun. We hope you join us there. Until next week, guys, always carry a D20, always drink responsibly, and Uncle Voldemort, take it away. Will our inveterate inebriates manage to stagger to a victory over the adversity that hampers their imbibing? Or will their hangovers hamper their hearty adventures? 
Will they ever garner enough coin to clear their bar tab? Tune in next week for more antics of Vim and Vino. Don't miss out on more Wizards and Wine.